0: Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow
1: hunting all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor, Mark Dempko.
0: So hey everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast presented by Lancaster Archery Supply. For all your bow hunting needs, visit LancasterArchery.com. We've got the gear, we've got the knowledge, we've got the passion. Talking about passion, we have a, an incredible uh, hunting family on the podcast usually when we talk about big bucks we'll be talking about one specific deer one specific hunter. well the reeser family of ohio had in a year that hardly anybody could ever top from you know the grandson taking bo taking a really nice buck to start off the season two dan reeser senior taking an absolute monster 200 inch but let's welcome dan and danny to the program hey guys thanks so much for taking time out of your busy days to join us Absolutely glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a lot because your whole family scored on terrific bucks last year, but but let's start at the beginning. You guys are a big hunting family. This goes back obviously decades and let's start about how. We'll start with you, Dan. How did you get into hunting and where did the passion for archery hunting come from?
1: Well, you know, I I started bow hunting. I got my first recurve bow when I was 15 years old and I got my first deer in Pennsylvania. With that bow, with my dad, and the the legacy, the history of it comes from my dad. was a was a big recurve bow hunter, you know. Back in in the late fifties, there he got his first deer uh, with a with a a, a recurve as well, in, in the state of Michigan. And he was originally from West Virginia, and at that time there wasn't a tremendous a lot, lot of deer in, in the state of West Virginia, and same thing for basically Ohio as well, but. But he spent a lot of time bow hunting in Michigan and in Pennsylvania. and then eventually you know, continued that on in West Virginia and later years, you know, many years later in Ohio. But he had a a really a, a love and a zest for deer hunting, especially with with a bow. And you know and and you know we we'd go down to our camp in West Virginia, and my one uncle would shoot his thirty eighth special because he was a law enforcement officer. And my dad challenged him with his recurve, and they'd put a shotgun shell up on top of the target. And my dad would shoot the shotgun shell, you know, 20 yards with his recurve that my uncle couldn't hit with his 38 Special. And so my dad was a real, he was a real, uh, you know, bow hunting fanatic when it came to uh, first starting to bow hunt. When he was, he probably was in his, you know, 30s, you know, before he started bow hunting. But I think the count was he had gotten 60 some deer with a bow in the next 20 years in different states with that recurve and was, you know, that was before compounds, that's before sites, that's before all that stuff. And uh, I still have his, I still have my recurve and I still have my dad's recurve to this day, but that's where the passion really started was, was with my dad.
0: Yeah, no. Now we have to talk about this season, just because it was so incredible for any family. I mean, your family took about seven hundred plus inches of antler this year. You took a monster two hundred inch of Boone and Crockett specimen. But Danny, why don't you walk us through the season? Because this was all in a pretty concentrated window, starting with your son on your and you're hunting your property in Ohio. And I think you got like four out of five deer on that property, didn't you?
2: Yeah, so it's it started on opening day in Ohio. For those that don't know, is always the last Saturday in September. And so this this past year in twenty twenty three, just so happened that the very last day, September thirtieth, was opening day. So it was kind of a late start, but we have been keeping an eye on you know all the deer. We we run trail cameras and have different stands set up. And like I was telling you a little bit before the show, at the time we had really our eyes set on one buck that was considered like close to being a shooter for us. And that was the one that Bo ended up getting. It was the only one coming in consistently. We had a glimpse or two of another bigger buck that my brother-in-law ended up shooting later on. But when it came to opening day, my, my son was not going to let me, you know, not take him out on opening day. We, we have some additional property in Southern Ohio. That's I had planned to take him down the first weekend in October, but he wanted to hunt on opening day. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to allow him to pass a buck up. Well, but just he's not going to tell you
1: this part. He was planning (laughs) him and I bow hunting on opening day together and and hoping that his son, Bo would forget that it was opening day of bow season. That's impossible. It's already in his blood. That he knows when he wakes up in the morning of opening day that it's opening day, just the way yeah. it was in our family. And so he wouldn't, He would not let Danny. He said, No, I'm going and I'm going bow hunting. Today's opening day. I've been waiting for opening day of bow season because he knew it was the first time he going to get a chance to do it for real. And he and Danny called me that morning He says, Well, Bo really wants to go. I said, Great. We're
2: taking Bo. That's yeah. that's what I think we should be doing anyway. And I knew, and I knew that I wasn't gonna be able to just take him out and make him just watch deer you know if he saw a buck that he wanted to shoot that was big enough you know he was gonna you know hold me to the fire on it but so we we took him out uh we we had a ground blind set up and we were kind of at the corner of two big soybean fields we were Mm -hmm. tucked woods maybe like 15 yards into the woods so the deer crossed through there to come out into the fields every evening And it's hard to hunt in the mornings because they're out in the fields all night. And so you go in there, you push them out. So we ended up probably seeing like, gosh, I'd say 25 to 30 deer that night. And they were just all coming through We'd we'd see small bucks, spikes, four corns, six points. We'd see does, we'd see fawns. And of course, you know, as soon as Bo saw the first buck with something with a fork on it, he was like, dad that's a shooter. That's a shooter. And I'm like, nobody. And we went on and on and on for two hours watching different waves of deer come through and him getting frustrated with me and wanting to shoot a buck because they're all, you know, 20 yards away. We're on the ground. They all look really big to him, but we wanted to have him hold out because we knew that this buck he ended up getting was coming in there every evening, you know, maybe like an hour before dark. And uh, sure enough, that buck came in and it made him made him wait. You know, he was using a crossbow, a 10 point crossbow. And we had him set up on a, a bog tripod with the, the, the grip that holds onto the stock there. So he doesn't have to hold the weight of the bow. He just moved left and right up and down. And that buck came in and at the time seemed like he messed around for a half hour, but it was probably only six Mm -hmm. minutes. And Bo made a great shot, you know, just ran about 30 or 40 yards and he was able to trail the whole thing himself. It was a good blood trail. And it was just an amazing night to to start off the twenty twenty three bow season. And was I a little bit disappointed that it was so quick and so early? Yeah. But did the, the excitement and, you know, the overwhelming emotion of him getting his first buck at the age six when I got mine at the age of six, you know, many years ago. That just all you know, took that over. So you know, and I'm and I'm a little bit colorblind. So I have a hard time seeing,
1: uh, you know, a blood trail and never really realized that till recent years. But I always was able to trail tracks and broken sticks and everything else. I was I was glad to see when he got out and and put his flashlight on that he's able to see that he, that he wasn't colorblind and he was able to see the trail just as plain as daylight to him. And we had a hard time holding him back because he yeah. was wanting to get right after it. So we had to take those steps, take a step, look for blood, take another step, look for blood, and slow him down a little bit. But he, you talk about an exciting moment, yeah. you know, having three generations together right there at, at that time. And and the excitement on his face just brought back memories to me of what it was like when when this guy got his first year. Yeah, what, what, a, what a magical or special moment for all three of
0: you to be there. And obviously you touched on, you were super excited, but it sounds like he was as well. Yeah, absolutely. It is ecstatic. Yeah, at <laughs> least. Yeah. Now, now, that was just the start of your season, which is amazing. And I think, he, I think you mentioned me, you had a phone call, Pearl. I think you mentioned that was the first, like, that was really the only decent-sized deer, something you would target as far as a mature buck that you've seen. But
2: things turned around pretty quickly in the family season, didn't it? Yeah, and, and it's amazing what week by week, you know, through the month of October and into November, you know, what the patterns of the deer change, the mentality, and and feeding patterns it just changes tremendously and we always know that at any of our properties as we get closer to the rut there's always that chance of seeing you know a buck that we've never seen before or maybe only saw one time the year before so it really didn't take but a week and i was out in the stand on the same property maybe as the crow flies 200 yards away from where Bo shot his buck and we had seen one picture of a buck that appeared to have a drop time and we went to that stand but it was kind of just a, a glimpse of him early in the morning and so we sat there and ended up seeing that buck but he was about 150 yards away just cutting through this what we call what we call an oak tree grove like just a band of solid old oak trees that runs through the center of the property from bedding ground out to soybean field. And he was with probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 other deer that we could just see, never came over to our stand, just cruised right out to the soybean field. Cause that at that time was just prime, like the the leaves on the beans were turning and that was just like a candy store to them. So we ended up making a decision to go over where we had seen all those deer flooding into the field that night. We we hung a, a double ladder stand about fifteen yards inside of the field's edge in the woods, and the very next night that that, that, night, night, that we, night we we yeah. sat out there, and that buck came cruising right by us on the same trail, but he split the trail and picked the further away one that was like sixty yards away, and never stopped. Like even if I wanted to, you know, stop him for a shot, he was too far away and moving too quick going out to the bean field so we just said well we'll go back to the next night and hope that he picks a different trail and sure enough you know my dad decided uh he'd pull out the old trusty tarsal gland and hang that up there because it, it was you know plenty of time before the rut but you never know when pre-rut is going on and we had seen some scrapes and some rubs and so we just said we'll throw a tarsal gland out there and that buck came in same trail and just made a 90 degree to get downwind of that tarsal gland which ended up being about 20 yards away from our tree stand and i was able to get a good shot on him and it ended up being i think he grossed 156 inches he was a drop tie and had several non-typical points and just was a beautiful buck and by far the the biggest buck that i had ever taken period let alone with a compound bow yeah. now what were you using as far as your bow and your broadhead and your arrow i was using a matthews halon i was using a victory arrow and a muzzy broadhead yeah well congratulations it's a beautiful buck and uh
0: when we put this episode up for listen we'll share out the photos on social media and we're also going to feature this in our crossbow revolution but uh i have to jump to you dan and you, you you have a buck that everybody dreams of you know most people say i'd like a 160 sixty-one, seven. you got a 200 inch buck most people can't even dream of that talk about this deer did you know about it was this the first year you saw it how did this all come together
1: well we really hadn't gotten pictures of him you know we we didn't really know that he was around that morning we got a picture of him you know looking at the camera and it was like boy he's an awful big looking deer but maybe he's just too close to camera or whatever but still that morning he he showed up there and I i i grabbed my daughter and i said I'm going tonight, and so we went to the to the blind that night. And you know he was coming through the brush, and I still didn't get a good look at him. But you know you just have that sixth sense about you that, you know he's it's a huge body, and the horns were huge. But you know you just couldn't you know it was one of those things where you couldn't count how many points he really was in the reel. But he was probably thirty, thirty thirty two yards coming through the brush, lowering his head down, trying right. to get underneath the the brush. And as soon as he stepped into an opening, you know, I, I didn't didn't hesitate. As soon as I saw him, it just, I went into shoot mode. And my daughter was sitting to my left. She never even got a chance to see it. But I I put it right on, right behind his shoulder as soon as he stepped that opening. Shot, he wheeled and ran, and I couldn't even see him run away except his his tail. And I'll tell you, when when we found him and walked up on him, I about, and I know Dave doesn't like me to use that word, but I about crapped my pants because I, it was something that I didn't expect to see, you know, I knew he was big. I knew he had a lot of points. I just didn't know how big he was, but laying there almost looked like he was prehistoric, you know, laying on his side with the antler sticking, you know, over two foot up off the ground was like, you know, it was, it was, it was a feeling that that I've, I've had multiple times in my life with, with elk or, or moose or whatever. But, but for this, for this whitetail, it's the first time i ever had that feeling with a
2: whitetail that big yeah and you can imagine not to give like too much detail but the stand that he shot that buck out of if you can imagine like your traditional saskatchewan or your traditional like ground stand for bear where it's like there's not much of a opening to shoot there's one you know real shooting lane you're just there trying to be yep. as elusive as you can be it's in a crossing area There's a pond there, they have to come around that pond. And the camera we have set up, it really just catches the deer moving back and forth through there. So we did get a picture of them. And just from our experience over the years, especially when you're creeping up towards the beginning of the rut, if you see a buck in an area, especially a a real old mature buck like that, the best chance you have to get him is as soon as you can get in there like that same day. If you see him in the middle of the night, you know, on a Sunday night, if you can get in there Monday, that's because typically they'll double up and then they you won't see him again for, you know, a week to a month. And that's exactly what he did. And so when he talks about the buck coming in and not really getting a good look at him, you, you, you could tell, you know, there was no doubt it was him, but it just is that buck is, you know, lowering his head and moving through the brush. And, and then there's one or two maybe good openings to get a shot, and as soon as he stepped in there, my dad made a great shot, and getting him out of there was <laughs> was fun because it is it is not the friendliest area to walk through, but it's it's just like you're wild and woolly. It's been timbered, it's been know. timbered,
1: so it's thick and gnarly. More. So just mm-hmm. thick and gnarly, and where we put this blind, it, it we put this blind there several years in a row because the pond was right there, and it was just back you know twenty yards, so the pond was to our, to our or I guess it'd be our, our east or whatever. So if the wind was out of the south or the wind was out of the west, you know, it would go across the pond. And any deer that came in had to go around the pond and couldn't come in directly downwind to us, right? So it was always a, a a good spot where they had to circle around the pond to get that little crossing part. And that's exactly what he did. And when we snuck in there, it was like sneak in there. We went in there early. In the afternoon, and we I think we went in there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. Danny and, and his boys were were on the other side of the soybean field just watching the soybean field to see what was coming out and to be in the area. And, of course, they were excited because we got that picture of this buck. But I'll tell you what, it was something else. I mean, he, he didn't go that far. He probably went 60, 70 yards. But you almost had to crawl on your hands and knees to get through there to follow the blood trail. But we were able to get the boys there. They actually helped participate in trailing this deer, and and took it right through the brush, and it was it was a pretty pretty emotional, exciting moment in my life to see that kind of a buck and have the boys all be there and my daughter be there. You know, it's, it's a pretty overwhelming situation because it was such a big buck. Yeah, and you all you hunt with your daughter fairly
0: often with Shannon. I'm I'm guessing you know, and so it was nice to have everybody there, all yeah. the generations, both yeah. at the start of the season and looking for your deer. Now, yeah, now we have to talk yeah. a little bit about this buck because again, this thing grossed 203, and I think Boone and Crockett net 197. When I saw the pictures, the two things stuck out: with me, the G they were just huge, the times were huge, but the mass on this deer. So tell us a little bit about the
1: dimensions because it's just an overall impressive deer from top to bottom yeah and it's it's it had a lot of mass of course had the good chocolate you know tines they had a lot of mass and it had a sticker probably a four inch sticker off the one side it you know the time yeah the first thing i noticed was these tines just kept
2: on going i mean they you yeah it didn't matter if it was the g2 the g3 the the g4 G4. it was like (laughs) they were all 12 13 inches you know, you know when you look at them for the naked eye you without putting a tape measure on them, you're like gosh every single one of those is over a foot you know it's it, it was incredible and it had so many different unique points coming off of it like like he mentioned the four inch sticker off the 1g2 he had some really cool points coming off the the base and one that curled in like we call it like a witch's finger it, it was it was really a unique just massive buck
1: we always referred to uh, big nasty looking bucks is 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 the big nasty right big ugly big ugly yeah. big big ugly uh, We refer to them. it was hard to call this one a big ugly because it was so pretty right danny's was danny's buck was more of like a what we refer to as a big ugly and and but this buck just had it was gnarly it had a lot of bumps it had a lot of little points here and there and it had long tines and you know after you've been around it a little bit and you've held in your hands and you had the you know have it caped off, and you're holding antlers, and we hung onto the antlers at our house, you know, until the taxidermist was ready for it. But after you're looking a while, it kind of becomes kind of like monopoly money, right? It kind of like you get a little immune to the overall size until yeah. it sit back into its normal place where you would see it, or like when the official scorer came up to to look at it, and put his hands on it for the first time, and and how he just was ecstatic and was excited. it's the biggest buck he ever scored then it started to hit me again that you know holy cow we got something really special going here you know and and then once the taxidermist got it done being mounted it was like you know and i was able to lay it on the ground and i I said to my wife i said here's what we saw coming through the woods when we walked
2: up on it and and so forth it's just a magnificent buck it really yeah and i think i think i may have mentioned this on the phone but it's it's a buck that it's scored Boone and Crockett 197 net non-typical because it has so many different sticker tines that are not just your little one inch stickers. I mean, they're solid three and four inch sticker tines, but it's really like a buck that if you looked at it, you'd say, well, that looks like a typical until you put the tape measure on it. And so to be able to have a buck, I would have to say, I I, I keep telling people, it's like the most typical-looking non-typical you've ever seen. And that's what makes it so unique and so pretty, because it really is just a a beautiful buck, and it just has like some really unique non-typical points that aren't your traditional like big long drop tine or you know main flyers off the you know upper half of the G twos. Like it's just points that you don't really see unless you're right up on it looking at. You know all of the main beams and bases, so it's it's really cool. It's
0: it's funny you said that because I think I only had three photos to look at. You shared three photos with us, but depending on the angle, it looks so different depending on how the the head was turned in position. It is an absolutely gorgeous deer, a wonderful rack, and I thought that too. Is when I was trying to figure out how many points it has, it's like it's hard to tell depending on how the deer's positioned. at everything, but uh yeah. So so you never saw that, like you didn't see that last year. That's the first time you saw it. Was literally right yes. before you got it.
1: Yeah, it was just one of those one of those things where it was yep. in the right place, you know, to, to get a, a camera. And, and he obviously he was around and he didn't get that big by being stupid. And it's kind of ironic because after I'd gotten him a week or so later, I was out to the property to check on some stuff. And I had somebody stop me by the side of the road and said, did you get a big buck this this last week? And I said, I don't know. I'm not in the habit of telling people that I don't huh. know. You know, and he said, he holds up his phone. He says, is this a picture of you? And I'm like, well, I guess, I guess, yeah, it is. He said, well, check this out. Here's a picture of another buck. that's real similar to that. And he shows me this picture of this buck and it's like really big. And he says, it's been in my backyard all winter long. And, and I haven't seen it since. And, and it was another buck that was probably just as big, as big as this one. And it's just one of those things where, where, the reality of the size of this buck you know starts to set in after a while there and you know people don't get it but you know when you get one how does it ever just settle you know settle in you know set in on you it when it's that big it's kind of like a surreal feeling you know until you get it and it's and it's normal way. like if you go to hang it like we went to hang the head on the wall
2: yeah and it was like we couldn't fit it in a couple places like, it was like the taxidermist <laughs> had to, it's a unique story on the taxidermy he he had to get the largest mount or largest, you know, form that they made for a white tail. But then when he got that form in, the head on that form was still too small because that, you know, that company he gets his forms from, they just make the head a little bit smaller. So he had to actually cut the head off of another, you know, company's form and do his, you know, work to put it on the the neck and the chest of the neck and the shoulder of the original form <laughs> that's how big and unique this buck was so when you when you look at the shoulder mount it's like twice the size it seems as your traditional you know 150 inch whitetail a thoroughbred and it's uh, like a horse but yeah no we we never we never had seen the buck we this particular property that we have is what would you say like 300 acres all yeah. together and yeah. and you know, there's a chunk of it that's you know crop fields and there's a chunk of it that's woods and real good timber and then there's a big chunk of it that's all, you know, been clear cut, you know, years ago. And so it's real thick brush. So it's got pretty much everything that, you know, a white-tailed deer would need between bedding and food and water. But it's close by to, you know, just hundreds of acres of woods that's across the, you know, the county road there. There's some, you know, homes that, you know, there are there that, you know, back up to some railroad property and, but then the woods, uh, you know, nearby just runs for miles and miles. And and so there's some deer that we may never, ever see yeah. that are just within, you know, a quarter mile from us. And I think that's what happened with this buck is maybe, you know, some of the pre-rut and with the amount of deer that we were holding on our property this year with our management, it was just bringing them over, you know, just to the edge of our property. And we were lucky to be, you know, able to catch them. On camera, and then be available to get in there within 24 hours and hunt them. Otherwise, you know, that may have been the only time we ever saw him at all. That's key. I, I have to share a quick story. I usually don't, but Pennsylvania,
0: we don't have the opportunities you have in Ohio. You know, you know, the cloud, you were talking about growing up and hunting in, in Pennsylvania. So we don't have as many opportunities at Big Bucks. I finally had one this year on the camera, and he was in there for a day, and I couldn't get out, do the work. And he showed the next day in the morning. I'm like, I got like one last window. And I got there at 4 to 15. He had walked by my camera at 4 or 7. I didn't no. get him. I saw him mm. twice later in the year in the pitch black. That was the only time he daylighted. Yeah. But you, so you know how crucial that is. And it's 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 amazing you have that window, and it's usually 24 to 48 hours. But to, I should ask, were you using a 10-point Dan? What were you hunting with?
1: Well, yeah, I I use nothing but 10-point crossbows. And and you know, I, I used to when I first in fact when Danny got his first first year in ohio when he was six we used to, one of the old style horton crossbows yeah okay and it had the little small you know pulley wheels on the end and that was it you know type thing and we still have that crossbow hanging in our cabin but but i i have always used 10 point products we're good friends with 10 point people we got a very dear friend barb from 10 point who's just a very dear friend of ours uh we worked together in the industry for years and years on stuff and they always take good care of us and but you know the the 10 point is just an amazing amazing product and very reliable and you know like i said i had a window probably it wasn't much more than a foot and a half by foot and a half to get that shot through the brush and and i was able to put it right where it needed to go yeah the the crossbows are making nowadays are incredible accurate fast. the technology they're putting into those bones is amazing and i and, and i i believe solely on on my end on spitfire cross broadheads and and this this is what i used on on this buck was one of our spitfires and it went through opened up like it's supposed to and you know as far as i can remember i don't think we ever lost a deer with a spitfire Mm-mm. so yeah. it's it's a it's a good broadhead if you're going to use a mechanical yeah and so you know we talked about the
0: three bucks that your family took but I mean you said you had four deer that came off this property your son-in-law your your brother-in-law took a nice buck talk about that I think Kyle got a
2: really good buck too didn't he yeah he did so this was a buck that I think I mentioned earlier when when Bo shot his we had seen like maybe two if we were lucky three pictures of this buck in velvet and it was actually the buck that you know once Bo got his I was out you know hoping to see in the beginning of October and that's when I saw my, you know, the one I ended up getting with the drop time and kind of changed my changed my, you know, angle of attack there. But this buck that Kyle shot, we had seen early on, but then he, you know, pretty much went and disappeared again for a month. And it wasn't until November second, Shannon and, and Kyle, they had their second little boy, was born on November second. And we got a picture the day or two around that time that morning actually it was that that morning that that buck and we told kyle like once again you got that window of opportunity you got to get out there i know you know obviously just had a baby but this was like day or two after you know shannon delivered the baby and they were they were coming home and and i think kyle just was able to sneak away for one evening hunt you know once he knew everybody at the in the family was you know taken care of and settled in and he got out there early in the afternoon, like probably sat down at two o'clock, and it was one of those like even earlier than colder, that colder. Yeah, 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 it was like a cold, crisp November day, beautiful day. And I, I remember sitting at home, and and Shannon calls me at like four o'clock, and she's like, "Big buck down." I'm like, "What do you mean? It's four o'clock? Like at, at that <laughs> time, like daylight, the the time hadn't changed, so it's still getting dark at like." You know, what six o'clock, six thirty. So like you're not expecting to get that call until like at least five o'clock or you know five, six o'clock. And so for four o'clock, you know, Kyle had called Shannon. Shannon called me, you know, we got a hold of dad and and then Kyle calls and it's like so it's like great, plenty of daylight. you know, I was able to load the boys up. I got, you know, Bo is six. I have a younger son, Hudson. He's four. Shannon and Kyle have a older son, he's, he was two, almost two at the time. And so we were able to get all three boys out there to help, you know, dad for, you know, Brooks and then uncle Kyle for my boys help, you know, retrieve the deer. And it didn't go very far. Kyle had seen it go down and, but he wanted to let the boys, you know, follow the blood trail and, and still go through that process. And it was just a, an amazing buck. You know like a 26 or 27 inch spread mainframe eight point had a a big split g2 on the one side so you had nine scoreable points but as as a true typical eight point it was it grossed i think really close to 160 and was like a net 157 i think it i think it actually grossed 161 and and that four inch split with the deduction was like a net 157, because there was hardly any deductions no, on this at, at all. all. Perfect.
1: And we saw it, we saw it earlier in the season. Danny and I were together mm-hmm. and it, it looked like it had that much mass. But then when you saw this thing, got up close to it and saw the mass, it was like, I mean, I had mass on my buck, but this had yeah. mass.
2: Yeah. This mm-hmm. was about as close as like one of those bucks that has a white tail, so close to resembled like a mule deer because it just was so wide, so tall, had the big split can, can G2 can, can yeah. cut out like this instead yeah. of around. Yep. And he was, he was in the right place at the right time. And, and once again, just taking advantage of that opportunity when that buck shows himself, you know, for the first time in a month when he's pretty much in the middle of, you know, the rut or the rut is just getting into full swing you know, be able to get out there. If it, if that buck would have showed up, you know, two days earlier while Kyle and Shannon are in the hospital having a baby, you know, who knows? But the fact that it it showed up, you know, two days after she had the baby, and I was out able to get out there the next day after everybody was settled in, it couldn't have been better timing and well, for it and, to show up like that. And, and, and you, you know, you know, we've we've always you always hear about
1: people shooting big bucks on their property by where they live or whatever. And I always looked at it as okay. They get more opportunities to get out and hunt because they're, they come home, they can change, go out in the woods right away. Whereas we used to, you know, we got 300 acres in southern Ohio, it's two and a half hours away to get down there. It's two and a half hour drive, get down there to hunt. You can't get down there as often as you'd like. But this is a perfect example on all these deer, all all of them, that because it was right here, it was close by, we were able to get on them as soon as we saw them it was able to to increase our odds. You know, even Danny's, we put this double tree stand up and put it in the woods because we saw where these deer were coming out from the other stand. We were able to put it in the woods, get in there. Yeah, he came by, we waited till dark. There's 30 deer in the field. We were able to sneak out without spooking those, get out of there and the next day in the afternoon, we popped back in the stand and we had an opportunity again because they're pretty patterned. If we weren't right here, we wouldn't be able to do that. We had to drive two and a half hours. We couldn't have done that. Same thing with Kyle. Same thing with my buck. Same thing with Bo's buck. You know, even even Shannon's buck that Shannon got was was on property that owned near where our our house is. And she was able to, we got pictures of it. We were able to get get her out in the stand and she was able to get right on hers too. It was all the same, pretty much the same formula because we were able to get to it quick.
2: Yeah, we're very fortunate to be able to have acquired property over the years and you know, the farthest we had to go this year to hunt was maybe 15 minutes down the road. And, and we we're just very lucky. And I mean, it, it really couldn't have been a, a luckier year for us. And we, and we know that like, that's, that's the, the humbling side of it is this doesn't happen, you know, ever. And we've been hunting, you know, like the four or five of us combined for how many years and never have had the stars align like this. And, and so it really was just a, a unique year that we will always look back on cherish forever because it could be another 25 years before that happens again like that and you know things change with property and and deer patterns and you never know I think pressure but yeah Yeah. it it was just incredible so yeah in the midst of all that you know between uh when Bo shot his buck and when I shot mine early in October my sister Shannon she was at the time eight months pregnant with her (laughs) second boy and She was able to get out and shot this buck that we call Goofy. We nicknamed him Goofy because we had seen him in velvet all summer long. And obviously he damaged his one main beam early on in velvet so that he had, you know, one that came up on the left side was like normal. And on the right side, it literally came up out of the base of the head, like maybe three inches and then dropped down, you know, like the shape of the letter J. and so we just kind of nicknamed him goofy," and so we kept an eye on that buck and once he was able to be you know patterned a little bit in the early season, Shannon was able to get out there and made a really good shot on him and I was with her when she shot hers yep and uh, and she had this window in her mind that she
1: could have this baby time, and she so she had this this one window of a week that she had to get out get after it and and she did yep you you guys have
0: done such a great job. Sharing and spelling out the story, and you just answered the one burning question: You have a baby coming. How did she get out and kill a deer? But you just
1: explained it right. from <laughs> yeah. I was,
0: I, I, The whole time we we're sitting here we talking, I'm like, "How did that part happen?"
1: But you yeah, guys think, uh, think, about about really well. think about it really well. Think about this way: I, I'm blessed to have four grandsons, and and they're all going to be hunters. You know, yeah. so this this legacy and tradition and everything else will continue on for many years. And I, I assure you, they'll all four be hunters. They'll all four, you know, get after it. And, and they come over to our house and we've got property that, that where they could see a lot of deer every evening and they come over specifically just to see the deer sometimes, you know, and, they're you know, two years old, four years old, they, they got binoculars. They want to look at the deer out the backsliding doors and stuff. And, and it's, it's really pretty cool. It's really pretty cool, but she. She she had that baby, but before then she was gonna. She was determined. She'd been shooting her bow all summer, you know, and she was gonna be determined that she was gonna get that buck or get a get a buck before she had that baby. And I said, well, you know, you can always wait because the premise, like on our TV show that we used to have, was get your kids outdoors. I always waited until Danny and Shannon got their deer, or got their elk, or whatever before I even uh-huh. started. So this year was unique, and the fact that it's the first time probably in. 30 years that i didn't get to hunt the rut because i was done early right and and it was it was crazy because you know here we are sitting the whole month of november and we're thinking now what are we going to do you know okay kyle got his buck and on the was a second or third or whatever it was in november and then it was like okay now what are we going to do and and i was like having a hard time sleeping at night i was used to looking at pictures and and going out and hunting and freezing my butt off and this year was just a complete complete backwards year for us even though we we're as blessed as we were and and i wouldn't change anything for nothing but boy i missed hunting the rut you know well yeah it's a
0: magical time of the year but i'm sure you would trade all that for a season your entire family had which is crazy oh, yeah. I, I only have one last question for you guys because it's such a great story and that is where do you go from here we know you love to hunt it's a great family
2: experience you have three generations hunting what do you do now Well, I think the, for, for me specifically having two boys and obviously Bo has already got his first deer. He's going to be hunting every every year. Um, Hudson is due, Mm -hmm. you know, within the next year or two to get his first deer. We kind of have a thing in the family, like six years old is the threshold you got to reach and in in Ohio, it's nice, you know, being landowners, you know, I've always felt that, you know, my dad was always the best teacher for hunter safety Mm -hmm. for me and taught me more than I could you know, learn in the classroom when I did sit down and get my hunter hunter safety education certificate. But we always, you know, go above and beyond, you know, the hunter safety classes and what they teach with what my dad taught me, what his dad taught him, what I teach my sons. And so with with I with me having two boys, I think my time is going to quickly turn into what my dad's time's been over the last 20 or so years where I'm going to be sitting back and and watching them, you know, and help them get their bucks. And if I have time to, to sit down and, and get out in the woods and hunt for myself, once they're done, I will. You get to um, hunt the rut is what he's going. Yeah. And, and, cause I, cause I don't see my boys being that, that patient for a while to, to pass on a good buck on opening day or the beginning of the bow season, but we'll see. But that's where I see, you know, my near future going, we love to, to do other kinds of hunting and elk hunting is a a huge passion of ours we we went out last fall to colorado and we're going back again this fall that's been something that we've done you know a dozen times over the last you know 15 years and and stuff that my dad and my granddad have done going back the last 30 or 40 years so elk hunting is like in our dna as well so we always make time for that but Deer hunting too. Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> I I just see myself, you know, watching my boys grow up in the in the deer hunting woods and and just enjoying them, you know, getting after those big bucks. And uh, so we'll see. But as for my dad, you know, he's got four grandsons that are going to be coming up through and and but it's it's mine and Shannon's time to. We've always been an advocate of trying to get my dad out there to let him be first and try to get after the big buck. And we were just so thrilled to see him get that this year because nobody more deserving than the person that's taken a back seat to us and been able to provide us with great property to hunt. And so I, I see that coming full circle with my boys as far as where I go from here. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. And I'm sure you're looking
0: for
1: opportunities to get out with your grandkids. Oh yeah, w- w- without a doubt. I mean, the fact that, you know, dean has got two, he can't hunt with both of them all the time. So I'll hunt punt with one of them and he'll hunt with the other. And then same thing when Brooks and, and Bentley get out there too. It, it'll it be, you know, Danny's wife doesn't hunt. You know, my wife doesn't hunt, but but Shannon hunts. You know, she she wants to try to have a little girl yet, but I said, that's fine. If you have another one, I'll have five grandsons. But, you know, she can hunt with one and Kyle can hunt with one. So that's a little bit different scenario there, but I'm sure I'll get plenty of time. You know, the, all the boys lo- love to the fish. They love... Love to be around the hunt and stuff. And, you know, and Daniel just have to get his boys done and then he'll hunt the rut. And it'll, it'll be just like, be just like me. And you still have an opportunity of some of the biggest bucks running around if you wait till the rut. Right. And we just were really lucky to get these bucks, you know, as early as we did. I mean, you think about it, November 2nd, we, we had five bucks on the ground. You know, yeah. it's not like 700 inches of antlers, not because we got 20 people in our family but it's five of us that got in and it's pretty amazing pretty pretty amazing for sure yeah well congratulations to you dan
0: to you danny to the entire family on one memorable season it was a, a pleasure to have you both on um good luck for all your hunting you do this year and for everybody who's listening we'll see you all next time on the bow hunting podcast
1: thanks for downloading the peterson's bow hunting podcast all bow hunting all the time Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.